Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. This is one of my favorite series that we talk about, and before I get started, let me introduce myself. My name is Heather Lanza, and I'm part of the leadership team here to Encounter, and as always, it's an honor and pleasure to be able to be up here this morning and continue on this series and and share what God's put on my heart, but um, before we get into this series, as much as I love it and I'm excited to share with you about Ruth, because it is Mother's Day, how many out there are mothers? Can you raise your hand? Good, we've got a lot of moms here today. It's a proud moment. Well, we can't go through a Mother's Day without a sappy, tear-filled Mother's Day video, so I've picked one out especially for you, so grab your tissues now and turn your attention to the screen for this video, and then we'll get started with our message in just a minute. I heard all those sniffles out there. Isn't that great? You know, I'm a mother of two. I have a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old, and I love this video because it kind of shows, as parents, we go through the different stages. It showed the mom who was had to let the baby cry it out at nighttime for, for nap time or sleep, and the toddler throwing a fit, the teenager being rebellious, the elementary kid age, you know, that was going through something. And, and as moms, this is what we go through. But I love at the end, it describes us as mighty. And, you know, it's it's not an easy challenge to be a mom, but it's definitely a rewarding challenge. I look at my kids every day, and I'm thankful and and blessed that I can be their mom. So let's just give all the moms out there a hand real quick because it's it's a it's a job and it's a challenge. But you know what? Like like Pastor Jared said, we literally would not be here without our moms, and they went through those stages with us, and and we get to share that. Um, with our children as well. So thank you, moms, for putting your time and effort into the kids. And so today, that leads us right into our message today. We're going to be talking about another woman in the Bible, a very mighty woman, like was described here in the moms, and that's Ruth. And uh, Ruth is a very short uh, book of the Bible. It's only four chapters. But if you guys want to go ahead, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to the book of Ruth. Um, It's kind of going to be a little bit of a storytelling today. We don't have time to read through the entire book of Ruth. So we're going to read bits and pieces, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story. But what I want you to know about this series that we do, Heroes and Villains, they're not just characters in the Bible. They're not just people that we hear about. These stories, these life situations, they describe us. These are real people who went through situations, and they're in the Bible so that we can learn, so that we can grow from them. So last week we learned about Cain and about he was one of the villains in the Bible and about how he killed his brother, and we learned how we should not act and how we cannot follow in his footsteps. And today we're going to learn about Ruth and how Ruth can impact our lives as a hero, as a mighty woman of the Bible. So we're just going to start out, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ruth. We're going to start right from the beginning. The beginning of Ruth leads us into the story of a woman named Naomi and her husband, Elimelech. And Elimelech was um, in Bethlehem. Both him and Naomi lived in Bethlehem. They had two sons. And there was a famine that was taking place in this time. And so they decided they were going to leave Bethlehem before the famine took place and move to a land called Moab. And so Naomi and Elimelech moved to Moab with their two sons. And we find out shortly as as Ruth starts, the the book of Ruth starts, that uh, Elimelech dies. And so Naomi is left with her two sons. And her two sons end up marrying two two girls. So they marry Ruth, and then the other daughter-in-law was Orpha. And so we find out that they were married for about 10 years or so. I had to do a little research to find out how long the timeline was. So about 10 years after their father had died, the two sons died. We don't know specifically why they died. 
It's most likely people in this time and age, they didn't live very long because of the famine, because of sickness and illness that was going around. So 10 years after they married the daughters, they passed away. And that left Naomi with two daughter-in-laws. Now, just a brief history lesson to kind of catch you up on this, this time and age. People didn't live long because of the famine and the sickness. But another thing, it was very different than today. In this day and age, women can have full-time jobs. They can take care of themselves. They can provide for their families, for their kids. Back in this time, the men were the main breadwinners of the family. The women were not out working. They were usually um, helping in the house and helping with the children, helping you know, with the cooking and providing the grain and getting it ready. So they weren't able to take care of the land. So when her husband died, it wasn't so, I mean, it was sad, but it wasn't so bad because she still had her two sons to take care of her. But when her sons died, she no longer had anyone to take care of their property. And it was very important in this time for there to be another male generation to pass this land along to, to take care of the cattle, to take care of the crops. And Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws no longer had anyone to take care of the property anymore. And so she's faced with a very difficult decision. Not only is she very, we find out in the beginning that she's very distraught. She's frustrated. She's angry with God because she not only lost her husband, but now she's lost her two sons. And she's also lost her livelihood because she has no one to take care of her land, her property, and uh, what was supposed to be passed on to generations going forward. She no longer has that because neither of her daughter-in-laws had children. And so Naomi is in a very negative place. She's very frustrated. And so she says to Ruth and to Orpha, all right, let's leave. I hear that the famine has, has left Bethlehem. So let's go back to my homeland and we'll see, you know, if we can find hope there. And maybe someone will have pity on you and be your family redeemer. And what family redeemer means, also a little history lesson of this, back in this time, people got married pretty young. And it was very important that they had children right away and that they had a son to continue on that family heritage like we talked about a second ago. And so neither of them had had children, and they had already been married. And doing a little digging on this, Naomi probably would have been around in her 60s, and Ruth and Orpha probably would have been in their 30s or so. And that, that age group was kind of past the age of someone wanting to marry. And for lack of better words, they were used goods. So it was unlikely for them to get remarried or for a man to want to, to marry them and continue on the family name with them. But Naomi's saying, you know, hopefully you can go back, you know, to your hometown. They, they go, they're on their way to Bethlehem, and she stops and she says, okay, Ruth, okay, Orpha, you know, I don't, you don't have to go with me. I'm going to go home. You go back to your home of Moab, and, you know, maybe someone will have pity on you. They'll marry you. They'll be your family redeemer, and you can continue on your life. And so Orpha says, okay, peace out. I'm leaving. And so she goes back to Moab. But Ruth, Ruth stops and says, no, I'm not going to go. And that's where we're going to pick up in our first Bible passage here, which is Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. It's also up here on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. And so this is right after Ruth has said to Naomi, I'm, I'm going to go with you. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. 
And so they began their journey on to Bethlehem. And the Bible's not very clear on why Ruth decided to stay with Naomi. She didn't have any ties anymore. She didn't have a husband to um, help her bear children, so to continue on the family name. So she really had no ties to Naomi anymore. But we know that for 10 plus years, they were a family. And so I imagine in Ruth's mind, she's thinking, you know what, you are my family. We've been together for this long. I would rather live life alongside of you than go at it alone and try to go backwards. You know, in uh, the Lonzas, we have this family saying that we go by, family helps family. And it doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter the time of day or night. It doesn't matter if it's going to inconvenience you. It doesn't matter what's going on. If you need me, I will be there because family helps family. My mother-in-law says this all the time to us, family helps family. And it's become kind of our Lonza life motto. And I imagine this is kind of how Ruth is. You know, she sees that Naomi is in a bitter, lonely place. She's lost her husband. She's lost her sons. She's bitter. She's angry at God. And this has been, Ruth was not a Jewish woman. She was raised in Moab, so they believed in a lot of idols and worshiped idols. But she had been raised by, uh, or been in the family of Naomi and her son. So she had learned what a Christian life looks like because they were from Bethlehem. They were Jesus. They knew, you know, that they were worshiping the Savior and the promised one that was soon to come. And and so I'm sure that she realized, you know, I, I want to live this life. I want to be with him. I don't want to go backwards. And you're my family, and I see that you're struggling, so I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you through this because family helps family. And that's the only reason I can think of that Ruth would, would stay with her. And so now we're going to go into chapter 2. They have finished their journey, and now they are in Bethlehem. Now, like I said before, Ruth is probably in her mid-30s or so, and Naomi is 60s, 70s, somewhere around there. So Naomi is too old to really work for the family. You know, in this day, they would go out in the fields and work the fields or, or so on, but Naomi's a little too old, and, and Ruth knows that. So Ruth steps up and says, you know what, I'm going to take care of this family. I'm going to do what I have to do to take care of Naomi because she's taking care of me. And so Ruth goes out and she tells Naomi, you know what, I see that there's harvesters out in the fields and they're picking grain, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to walk behind them and pick up the scraps on the ground. Now this is like, you know, they go out there and they're collecting all the grain and all the harvest, and she's probably picking up two or three little pieces behind these, but that's what she's going to do because she wants to work for her family. And so every day she makes her way out of these fields to take it back so that they have food to eat, and then they can probably also sell some of it to have just a small amount of money to take care of Naomi and to take care of herself. And so every day she begins doing this. She goes out into the field and she collects the leftover harvest from the harvesters. And so one day she finds herself in a field that she's collecting from and it's owned by a man named Boaz. And Boaz is a fairly wealthy man. He owns his own land. He owns these harvesters and he, um, he's out there and he's watching and seeing. Uh, we learn that Boaz is a very good man. He's very appreciative of his workers, and he's always out there thanking them for all their hard work and what, they're, what they've been doing. And he sees a lady kind of hanging out in the back, picking up the scraps, and he asks one of his servants, he goes, hey, who's that, who's that lady? Who's that woman out there that's picking from you know, these scraps? And his servant says, that's Ruth. She's the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And we learned that Boaz is actually a relative of Naomi's deceased husband. So he is within the family line. And so he tells his servant, you know what, let's leave some extra out for her and uh, let her pick that up. And, and so, you know, Ruth continues to collect this grain for her and Naomi. 
And then one day Boaz says, you know what, I want to talk to Ruth. I want to have a conversation with her. I want to let her know that she has free reign to pick from my harvest. Every day I want her to come to my field and to pick. And so we're going to pick up in chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And this is where Boaz has just told Ruth that she has free reign to, to collect after the harvesters in her field. Now, the reason he's letting her know she has free reign is because there would be other workers who would probably give her a hard time or some of the other ladies that was harvesting in the field would be like, hey, you're taking my hard work. What are you doing? And so he's saying, leave her alone. She has free reign. And so Ruth chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked, I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. So here Boaz is seeing what Ruth has done. He hears the story that Ruth went out of her way to follow Naomi, to come to Bethlehem, to take care of Naomi, who she really had no reason to. She didn't have any binds to Naomi, but she's taking care of her. And Boaz is seeing that and saying, what a great job. Here, you know what? Take what you can. I want to bless you. Please just come to my fields and I will make sure that you are taken care of. And so that brings us to our first point today, which is how we live and face life impacts the people and relationships around us. How we live and face life impacts the people and relationships around us. One of the things I love about the story of Ruth is she's such a mighty woman. She lost her father-in-law. She lost her husband. She lost family. And now her sister-in-law has also left the family. But you don't hear about Ruth complaining. You don't hear about Ruth griping or being bitter or being frustrated. But instead, she stands up and says, I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of this family. She knows that how she faces the next step of her life, her life impacts everyone around her. And so we see Naomi, who was in a very bitter place. In the first chapter of Ruth, Naomi is talking about how bitter she is, how she's frustrated, how she's angry with God because he took away from her what was hers. But Naomi now is seeing the favor that Ruth has over her life, that God is saying, you know what? You are faithful. You are strong. You are a powerful woman, and I'm going to provide for you through Boaz. And Naomi sees this, and so Naomi's attitude starts to transform because she's seeing the positivity that Ruth is displaying. You know, in our own lives, if I, if I were to wake up in the morning and I'd be like, I hate today, today is awful, I don't even care, make your own kids, breakfast kids, you know, do your own thing, I don't even care, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I don't want to be at work, it's a terrible day, don't talk to me. That is going to affect everyone that I come in contact with because now they're going to see that and be like, oh, what's wrong with her? Well, today's kind of a crappy day too, so I don't want to have to anything to do with it. And it's going to start rubbing off on people. And if I'm a miserable person and I'm just dwelling in the misery that surrounds me, it's going to then rub off on my husband. It's going to rub off on my children. It's going to rub off on the people that I work with. It's going to rub off on people I'm at church. If I was here today and I was having a terrible day, I'd just be like, and Ruth was a great person, and this is great, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it, it doesn't have the same impact. We have to make sure that the way that we face life is positive because it impacts the people around us. So because Ruth was so positive, because Ruth said, you know what, I'm going to do what I need to do because God's going to provide for me. I'm going to work hard for my mother-in-law because she's given her years of life to support my deceased husband, and I'm going to take care of her now. 
Naomi sees that and Naomi starts to transform and she starts to really get into this this life that Ruth is having and, and she sees that Boaz is kind of interested in Ruth and intrigued by her and so she's like, Hey, you should you should go and uh you should go and talk to him. See see what you know what happened, because he's definitely got some favor on you and he, he likes you and and so Naomi is now starting to transfer the way that she thinks because of how Ruth has impacted her life. And so now we go into chapters three and four. And I love this, this part of the, the book especially. So now we have found that Ruth for a while now has been going into the fields and harvesting from Boaz's fields, picking up the leftover grain. And Naomi is fully invested in this because she's like, why would he not let you pick in his fields if he wasn't kind of interested in you? And you know that he is part of our family. Sounds gross, I know. but So he would have been the directly related to her father-in-law who was deceased. And it was very common. You wanted to keep within the family name. So Naomi's thinking, maybe he can be your family redeemer. And then you would still be within the family and, and so on. And, and say, Naomi goes, hey, Ruth, you should go and talk to Boaz. And you should see, you know, what can happen there. Go, go talk to him have a conversation. And so Ruth goes to Boaz and she tells him that she will serve him, that she will do what needs to be done for him to be her family redeemer. And Boaz says, yeah, I like you. I'll take care of that. But then he says, but you know what? There's actually someone who's in more direct line as your family redeemer than I am. And I would imagine Boaz, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I love to read and I, I love the way that books portray things. So in my mind, I'm thinking Boaz is like, man, I have to talk to this other person because he's more directly related, but I really like you, so we're going to see what happens. And so Boaz goes and talks to this other relative. And so he begins the conversation saying, hey, so Naomi's back in town, and she had to leave Moab. She still has land there because her husband and her sons have passed away. And so they need someone to redeem this land, to take over this land so that it can remain within the family name. And so this other guy's like, sure, I'll take on the land. No big deal. He's probably thinking more money for me. But then Boaz says, oh, but wait. It also means that you need to marry this lady that kind of comes with the property. Your name's Ruth. It's kind of a deal. Like, you have to take them both. And then the other guy's like, uh, I'm out. And he's like, no, maybe you should be the family redeemer. You know them better. You've been around. Go ahead. Take on, you know, being the family redeemer. And I imagine Boaz is kind of like, yes, I have won the prize. And so now we go into Ruth chapter four. I love this story. It's like, it's like the Bible love story. It's great. And so now we're going to go into Ruth chapter four, verses nine through 10. And this is where Boaz has just, so the way this works is it has to be kind of like a committee when they take over the family property or he's going to marry Ruth. So what's happening now is they, he met with this man and there was also some local people within the community who had to say, and, and hear everything that happens. And they have heard this other man say, I'm not interested. Boaz can now be the family redeemer. And so now Boaz and the elders are standing there. And this is where we're going to pick up verse 9. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have brought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. That's the two sons-in-laws. And with the land I have acquired, Ruth the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the property, the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. And now we're going to skip ahead to verse 13. So now Ruth now knows that Boaz has 
said he is going to be the family redeemer. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. That's a pretty incredible compliment because sons were so important there in this time because they needed to carry on the family generations. It was so important to have sons. And so she's saying she loves you more than seven sons could have loved you. So seven times over, Ruth loved you and was faithful to you and cared for you. And it later says that Naomi took that son as her own and loved him like a grandson, took care of him and was so proud of Ruth. And so this brings us to our second point, which is God can take the brokenness and turn it into blessings that go beyond ourselves. Naomi was a broken person, and Ruth could have been broken. Ruth could have looked at this and said, my life is over. I have lost a husband. I have lost my livelihood. I have no one to take care of me. I have nothing to live for, so instead I'll go home, live with my mom, and probably just live within the house because no one is going to want to marry me because I'm used goods and I'm older and it's not what people are looking for. But instead, she said, no, I'm going to continue life and I'm going to do what God has asked me to do and I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be a mighty woman for God and I'm going to work. The, I'm going to do what's needed to make it where I need to make it. And because of that, Naomi then turns her life around and sees that God is good and God is faithful and God has provided for her family through all the tragedy. So God can take that brokenness in our lives. He can take that sadness, that frustration, that bitterness, that anger, anything we're going through, he can take that and he can turn it around to use it so far beyond ourselves, which is incredible. God is such a good God. So God took a terrible situation of these men dying within their family, and he rebuilt Naomi's faith in God and used Ruth for something so much mightier than she could have ever imagined. She used a normal person like Ruth to help restore that faith and to also use Boaz in what God's plan was. And so here's the cool thing about Ruth that maybe some of us don't know. So Boaz and Ruth had a son, and his name was Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. And we know throughout the timeline of the Bible that David was the direct line to Jesus being born. So because Ruth stood strong, because Ruth was a mighty woman who fought for what was important for her family, for her God, for her beliefs, she then in return married a man, had a son, and Jesus was born to save us all. And that's our big point for today. When we live our lives for others, instead of ourselves, we make a much bigger impact on the world around us. The decisions we make, the choices that we do, they impact everyone. It's not just about us. The choices that I make today affect my children. They affect my friends. What I say here today affects what God has to say through me to you. My relationship with each and every one of you, it affects how you go throughout your day, just like your relationships with people affect everyone else. It goes so far beyond ourselves, the way that we raise our children, the way that we treat our friends, our coworkers. It goes so far beyond ourselves. You know, I have two examples in my life of people who 
took a situation and turned it around to change their lives. One is my mom. My mom did not grow up in the most loving home. There was not much affection or loving nature. Her parents were not very involved in her life. And so she didn't grow up knowing or being so loved. But my mom made the decision, when I have kids, I'm going to turn that around and make that different. And so I can't even tell you, every day, a hundred times a day, I heard, I love you. They were at my events. They cared about me. They made sure that I knew that I was loved, that I was appreciated, that I was important, because she knew what it felt like from her parents not to feel that way. Another example is my mother-in-law. She grew up with an alcoholic father and never hearing. I think she said she maybe one time heard the words, I love you, within her family. It wasn't something they said. They weren't affectionate people. And she did the same thing. She says, my family will not feel this way. My family will know love. And we make a a joke within the Lonzas that we can't even go to the bathroom without telling each other we love each other. Because we, we have such a deep love for each other. Because she passed that down. She refused to live a life feeling unloved and her kids feeling that way. And so when we live our lives for others instead of ourselves, we make a bigger impact on the world around us. So the choices we make are very important. And another thing I was thinking about this morning when I was going through my message, another important thing that we can learn from Ruth is that we need to move past the situations in our lives. When things get thrown at us, and a couple months ago I talked about how I had really struggled with fear in my life, and it was just such a debilitating thing in my life, just held me back so hard. But what I love about the story of Ruth is that she went through the same thing that Naomi went through, but she chose to face it head on and say, this will not control me. This will not rule me. Instead, I'm going to face it head on, and I'm going to make the decision to be positive. So when you're going through something in your life, don't let it rule your life. Don't let the sadness, don't let the frustration, don't let the anxiety, the depression, whatever you're going through, don't let it rule your life. Instead, say, I'm going to face it head on and know that God has a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. And I'm going to follow that, and I'm going to find my strength, my power, my might in God. And just like that Mother's Day video showed us, you know, you see the door slamming, and the mom's just kind of standing outside the doors during these, these phases of their kids. You know, we need to take that slam door and know there's something else, and that we can face it. We can be those mighty men and women for God. It's not just about moms today. It's about all of us. So don't let the struggles in your life overtake what God has planned for you. Be a mighty warrior for God. Know that his plan is bigger, that what you do in your life impacts those around you. And if you make the decision to move forward instead of dwelling on it, God will bless you for that. And God will make you stronger because of it. Because I tell you what, when I looked fear in the face and I said, you don't don't have authority over me anymore, it's been like night and day in my life because I I have a situation come forward and I said, no, it's not going to happen. I choose to believe in faith instead of fear. And so when we face life head on, like Ruth did, instead of dwelling in that self-pity, it makes all the difference in the world. It not only affects your life and how you look at life, it also affects those around you. So I would just encourage you to take this story of Ruth and know that, that we can be like this. We can look life head on. We can face those struggles and we can move past them. We can be that influence in other people's lives. Know that you are strong, that God made you just the way you are for a reason, and you can be mighty through that. Next week, we're going to be learning about another villain, Pontius Pilate. 
So I encourage you to be here next week for that. But for now, Aaron's going to close us out in a, uh, in a worship song. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.